Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. They crucified him. The Jews screamed, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And so Pilate surrendered Jesus to them. And the soldiers, they mocked him and spit upon him. The crowd jeered him. And they crucified him. They nailed him to a cross between two criminals, two rebels. And the gospel, according to Luke, shares the story like this. Pilate decided to grant their demands. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence? We are punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus... Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. They crucified Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the great I Am, the Alpha and Omega, the the creator of the universe. They, They crucified Jesus between two criminals, two rebels. Companions in crime, these outlaws had pillaged and shed blood together. So far as we know, they had been arrested together. And together they stand trial. 
Together they are condemned. Together they walk to the place of execution. And now together they are dying. On the surface, there seems little to choose between them. Yet, they are as far apart as the space between the stars. You know, we have all kinds of categories for people, don't we? All kinds of classifications for people. We say they are Germans or Canadians or Romanians or Filipinos or Chinese or Czech. We say that people are funny or or serious, they're, they're tender or unfeeling. We, we say they're red or yellow, black or white. We've got all kinds of classifications, all kinds of ways that we categorize people. But on that hill outside of Jerusalem, on the day that Jesus died, there were only two classifications of people. There were only two categories of people, only two that really count for eternity. Those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Savior, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world, and those who don't believe in Jesus. Really only two. One of the criminals hurled insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Christ? Why don't you save yourself and us? This man, this fellow represents all men and women who are without saving faith. And without saving faith in Jesus Christ, we are excluded from heaven. The other criminal, remember, said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he was given a place in heaven by virtue of his faith. The other guy, the other criminal who insulted Jesus in a very sarcastic tone, died in his sin and was excluded from heaven by virtue of his unbelief. To the one who exercised faith, Jesus said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. We're both going to die on this cross, but we'll be together. You'll be with me in heaven. To the one who hurled insults, Jesus said nothing. Nothing. Silence. No hope. No promise of eternal life. No hope for the world to come. Nothing. He made him no promise. So, those who reject Jesus, those who refuse to believe, those who refuse to turn away from their sins and repent of their sins, those who refuse or simply remain apathetic about faith in Jesus Christ will in the end be excluded from heaven. Furthermore, saving faith in Jesus Christ, the absence of that saving faith also means that people are isolated from hope. So, they're excluded from heaven in the life to come, and they're isolated from hope in the here and now. And the scriptures are really clear. Our only hope is fixed in Jesus. He's the source of hope. 
The scriptures are clear. Romans 5, 2, for example. Through him, through Jesus, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope. We rejoice in hope. Why? Because we get to stand in grace. And where does that grace come from? Jesus. That's why we say that our hope is fixed in Him. Another verse in the Bible refers to Jesus as the one who loved us and gave us good hope through grace. 1 Timothy 4.10 We have our hope set on the living God. And Hebrews 10.23 Let's hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For He who promised Jesus is faithful. And so Jesus is our hope for yesterday and today, and forever. He is our hope. And so, without saving faith in Jesus Christ, men and women are excluded from heaven, they're isolated from hope, and headed for hell. Headed for hell? I know that speaking about hell is not really a politically correct thing to do these days, especially in mixed company, especially by polite Canadians. It sounds archaic to some people. It sounds so outdated and outmoded. And, you know, people who talk about hell are people that wear black suits and black ties and white shirts every day, even when they're mowing the grass. You know, they're out of touch with reality. People in the 21st century aren't supposed to believe in such outdated, irrelevant myths like hell. Who believes in hell today? And so in their attempt to soften the harsh reality of hell, many people have distorted the biblical teaching about it. But let me say to you this morning that Jesus Christ was really clear about what he believed about heaven and hell. For example, in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28, he cautioned all of us, don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Jesus obviously believed in the reality of this place called hell. On that Black Friday, another term for Good Friday, on that mount of Mount Calvary, the place called the Skull, two criminals were crucified alongside of Jesus, one on his left and one on his right. The one who mocked him died in his sin and was excluded from heaven and isolated from hope and headed for hell. The other man, the one who said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, he received the promise of forgiveness and hope and eternal life by virtue of his faith. Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. I said a moment ago, we have all kinds of categories and classifications for people. I mean, we... we categorize them or we place them in categories based on their nationality or their disposition or their annual income or their accent. 
We have classifications for size and intelligence and race. But Jesus had only two. He had only two classifications for people. Those who follow Him and those who walk away. Those who believe in His finished work on the cross and those who reject His life's work. Those who trust in Him as Savior and Lord and those who resist His love and tender mercy. In which group do you belong this morning? Are you one of those who believes and thus behaves like you believe? Or are you on the other side? Where has your trust and your your faith come to rest? Does it rest in Jesus or something else? You see, and I I, I pressed that question just a little bit this morning, not not necessarily to make you uncomfortable, but to help us think about this. And and I I press it this morning because of a verse like Acts 4.12 that says salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to men and women and children by which we must be saved. Are you saying we can't be saved by yoga? Yep. Are you saying that we can't be saved and and, and enter heaven by following the, the prophet Muhammad? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Are you saying that Buddhists are, are, are not going to be in heaven? Yes, that's what I'm saying. And I'm only saying it because the Bible says that. Amen. Our authority is the Scripture, the Holy Scripture. And Scripture says salvation is found in no one else. Jesus is the only one. He's the only one. He's the only one who can grant eternal life to us. There is a Redeemer There is a Savior, and His name is Jesus. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's the Lamb of God who died to take away our sin and our shame and to give us forgiveness and hope and eternal life. Jesus, the name at which every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And here at the gathering... And in churches all throughout our city and the county, they will be celebrating communion today. They'll be uh, observing the Lord's Supper because there is no better way to honor Jesus and recognize the sacrifice that He made for us than to celebrate communion on a day like today on Good Friday. And so, those who are serving us this morning... Those who are serving the elements are going to come now and just take their seats here at the front so they can serve you with ease.